1: Hello and welcome to the third and final day of our EPL Roundtable end-of-season review special. We have Tiger from HCAFC Link. Peter, what have you made of whole season? Obviously, you must be disappointed.
2: Yeah, desperately disappointed, of course, and deflated. Uh, It will take some getting over. Uh, But just to sort of put uh, a little bit of perspective on it, just to start things off and to cheer me up a little bit. Uh, Bear in mind that we did reach a cup final only a year ago, and in that cup final, we played Arsenal. Now, prior to that cup final, 16 years previously, Arsenal had won the League and Cup double. For Hull City, 16 years before that cup final, we were nine points adrift at the bottom of what is now League Two, and in our great escape season, managed to stay up that year. So, I think what I'm saying is, yeah, uh, we, you know, it's a massive disappointment, but we are a club with a modest history that has made huge strides in the last 10 years. And we must hope, and indeed our chief executive said a few years ago, that we may become, in our development, a yo yo club, in that we may go down and come back up again uh, two or three times before we can fully establish ourselves in in the Premier League. And I think, given what's happened so tragically for us this season, you know, that's the sort of thinking we have. We we've come a long way as a club. And short term, yeah, it's been a dreadful year. And we could have done better, we've had decent players. But just taking a step back in the overall development of Hull City as a club, things are still not too bad. Now if I review the season overall, if I can start with a few injury points, we started the season with a serious injury to Robert Snodgrass. And that was a bad start for Steve Bruce because that was one of his key signings. I think the signing of Snodgrass was meant to supplement the work of Jake Livermore and Tom Hulston in midfield. And so it limited his options. Subsequently, Huddleston and Livermore had very ordinary seasons. And with Ben Arthur and Gaston Ramirez coming in on loan and none of them being a success, it's meant that we've been pretty impotent in midfield. And Steve Bruce was forced to go back to relying on the, the tried and tested Players like David Myler, um, Stephen Quinn, who basically got us up from the championship and were probably destined to be more squad players this year, had it not been for the injury crisis and the lack of success. The season developed in a strange way because, in the first third of the season, we seemed to have that blend of hard workers and Quality performers. We were playing good football and scoring goals, and a performance at Arsenal early in the season was typical of that. When we were unlucky not to win, I think it finished two-two, and um, ten million pound signing Hernando third-headed had goal, and we were looking really good moving forward. Um, The other star around that time was Modi Army, who was making penetrating runs from midfield and was scoring goals. And the midfield was, to that point, looking good. But from the point he got injured, the side started to slide, partly because other injuries came along. Both forward players, uh, Jelovic and Hernandez, were injured. And frankly, the squad was stretched quite a bit. Some of those that came in up front weren't really able to score the goals or indeed look dangerous up front. Sonia Luko was recovering from a couple of serious injuries and looked very ordinary when he played, although it may be that now uh, in the championship we'll see a better side of him and he'll get more goals. The other thing was we weren't really able to blood any youngsters at that time or we didn't seem to have youngsters who were good enough to play up front when we got the injuries. Um, We still need to do work with our academy and our our reserve team and of course the one young player we did have, uh, Tom Ince, it hardly helped that he went on loan to Derby County and was finding the net with great ease as the season uh, progressed. So fans were pretty worked up about that. Just talking about Steve Bruce in reviewing the season, it's difficult to be too hard on him. At the same time, he has to take some of the blame. He did have a massive injury crisis, and for that he deserves some sympathy. But even prior to that, There were some poor signs in the side, and it wasn't playing particularly well. It had started to decline before that, it has to be said. He is excellent at setting up a side defensively. We know that he had a great career with Manchester United as a central defender. And I think as a manager, his forte, if you like, is to set up a sound defensive unit. But when it comes to making progress in the final third, Perhaps that's where he's found out, and that's perhaps something that cost us this season. He wasn't helped by the fact that in addition to the stars of last season of and Livermore having poor seasons, um, Curtis Davis and Alan McGregor, uh, centre-half and goalkeeper, both had a serious loss of form. The arrival of Michael Dawson was a huge plus for us, but whether it was connected or not, it seemed to coincide with um, a declining form for Curtis Davis. And Curtis got injured. Um, he didn't appear much towards the end of the season and his future must be in doubt. Similarly with Alan McGregor, Scottish international goalkeeper, who had a very good season for his last year, but this season made several costly errors. And again, there will be those who say that Bruce kept faith with him for far too long and should have brought in Steve Harper at an earlier time because as soon as Steve Harper arrived and was put in goal, there's no doubt our results and performances did really suffer. Now, I don't want to mention the the off-the-field matters too much when reviewing the season, but I have to mention the name change matter, which many people, football fans across the country will be familiar with basically it is dragged on and on as an issue as an issue a year ago the FA declared to our owners that they were refusing the name change application I think if at that point the matter had been brought to a close then it wouldn't have had an impact on the pitch now I think footballers are fairly straightforward fellas and um, you know they're basically interested in playing well, having fun, enjoying the game, and collecting their pay packet. And I don't think until about the start of this season there was any impact really on the pitch from what was happening off the pitch with the name change arguments. But I think eventually, because it dragged on for just so long, it was unsettling to both players and managers, manager, and... We saw instances from about Christmas when fans were, billing, were, were booing fellow fans in home games, which is unhealthy at the best of times. And in that way, I think the off the field antics of Assem and Ihab Alam, our owners, in trying to change the name and defying the FA and continuing with that application certainly did not help us in our performances on the pitch headline news about Jake Livermore and his um, failure with a, a drug test, but there has also been rumours of other dressing room unrest. There was a public row, or rather um, a behind the scenes, but made public row between Steve Bruce and Paul McShane, but that appeared to be settled, and Paul McShane fought to win back his place in the side and finished as one of our better players. Um, Just a few specifics, we can't hide from the fact that we failed to score in 17 of our Premiership games, which is massive. You simply can't hide from that. And whilst everyone points the fingers at our strikers, I would actually be looking at our midfield and saying it was the failure to create chances and the predictability of our play in midfield that was the most costly for us. And if you're looking at what and who to blame for relegation, I'll throw this one at you. Leicester City. We would have stayed up had it not been for the extraordinary form of Leicester City in the last eight to ten games yeah, of the season. One and two of
1: 26 points to end the season.
2: Absolutely staggering. And, you know, it, it wasn't the last few games that actually cost us. We gave away last minute goals at Newcastle, Manchester and Manchester City and Arsenal away, which effectively cost us six points. Plus we failed to beat Leicester, Sunderland and Burnley at home. So in fact the last few games, okay, that included Burnley, but I mean in the last few games we beat Liverpool and drew with Manchester United. At the start of the season, I would have been quite happy with that. So whilst quite rightly for the media there was a huge focus on the last few games, It was actually earlier in the season when we lost the key points against direct uh, rivals for relegation, if that's the right way to put it. That's when we actually suffered and were pushed down the table.
1: Yeah, you briefly mentioned uh, Steve Bruce's performance throughout the season. Are are you thinking that he's your best chance to, to get back up next season?
2: yeah it's a really difficult one with with steve bruce my honest assessment of him is that he's an extremely good manager but does have lim- limitations i would i would have great faith in him to get his back in the premier league if you said to me do i have great faith in him to establish us in the premier league that would be a different matter probably not so whilst some will find this a, a strange statement i'd keep him um, but when we got in the Premier League, even with that momentum that he would no doubt have, I would consider replacing him. Because I think, at the moment at least, he does have certain limitations. And they revolve, revolve around the attacking aspects. I mean, he will say that he simply not had the attacking players. And, you know, obviously people like um, Hernandez and Doi, uh, you know, they, they flattered to deceive a little bit because all played well at specific times but you know going back to that statistic again 17 games when we did not score the players have to take some responsibility for that I've mentioned the midfield but you know the manager must you have to look at the manager the assistant manager and the coaching staff and say look you know when you're fighting in the bottom sort of like 8-10 particularly of the Premier League You need to score goals. And that just simply isn't good enough. Simple as that. So with Bruce, it's a qualified vote of confidence. But a recognition that perhaps, at the moment at least, he does have certain limitations. And that we may look to replace him in the future. Should we bounce back that we all want to do? Yeah. Um, Just want to say one thing um, about the fans. Perhaps it's because we've had so many ups and downs in our history as Hall City. And, you know, it took us 104 years to get into the Premier League. The crowd were magnificent on Sunday. Um, Louis van Gaal actually stated in an interview, uh, he was the first time in Europe that he'd seen the home supporters or the supporters of a relegated side stay behind right till the end and beyond and applaud their team. And I think that's something we can be very proud of. But I mean, it is perhaps a reflection of the fact that, you know, we are a sort of young side in terms of top level success. And we're still quite raw in terms of being in the Premier League. And yes, this is a massive blow, but I think we are a side and a city moving forward out of the shadows. And I'm very optimistic about the next five, 10, 15 years. I do think we will be back. I think the next two years are crucial. We have to get back in the manner of a Southampton, Norwich, West Brom, or whatever. What we mustn't do, and of course, you know, the other end of the spectrum, we don't want to go the way of Nottingham Forest, Leeds, Birmingham, and others of that type who, for whatever reason, relegation from the, from the Premier League sets them off on a negative spiral from which they never recover. I'll take Nottingham Forest as the best example. We must not go that way. You know They were a side with a great history, tradition in the top tier, former European Cup winners, and were expected to bounce straight back. And they're still languishing in the championship. We mustn't miss this opportunity to bounce back, bounce back quickly. Otherwise, I think there is a real danger that you can fall into that sort of decline. But it's a a reasonably buoyant um, assessment of our future. But at the same time, of course, it's deflating uh, to to be relegated. And uh, probably the reality of it won't kick in until the start of next season when we start to look at the fixtures.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, we kind of addressed that that coming up next, coming back up next season will be your objective. Uh, which players this year were you most impressed by, and who, who do you think will stay um, to to really help you push on next season?
2: Yeah, that's that's a difficult one to assess. We've had our first sort of bombshell surprise today in that long-serving fullback Liam Senior uh, it looks like that his contract won't be renewed. Now, when on social media and on radio and TV, people have been drawing up for their shortlists for who would stay, he was one of those expected to stay and to be awarded a new contract. So that's the first surprise. Uh, Andy Robertson, young fullback from uh, Scotland, signed from Dundee, or was it Dundee United, one of those two. But, you know, he has a real future. He's... He's inexperienced and he looks it sometimes, but he's got real pace on the ball, a great left foot, and it'll be interesting to see if we keep him because I'm sure bids will come in this summer. So he was a real success. Michael Dawson started a little shakily maybe but got better as the the season progressed. And Robbie Brady and our Irish connection also had a good season. He didn't get the goals perhaps he wanted, But again, after a a period of injuries, he was improving as the season ended. And the the Irish contingent of Brady, Quinn, Myler, McShane uh, really did give their all and played for the badge and were magnificent. Paul McShane, I have to give special mention to. He is a a tough, unspectacular footballer, but he's the sort that every club wants to have because he gives 100%. And he is an absolute icon, legend with this club. He has had uh, a fallout with Steve Bruce on at least two occasions. And we hope he stays. But he's one of those where we wouldn't be uh, surprised if he did depart. Um, Modi Army was tremendous uh, until his injury, uh, which was round about Christmas, just before Christmas and there's a pretty close correlation between the side playing well uh, and the decline in the side steve harper who i mentioned previously perhaps could have been recalled sooner also had an excellent season when he played the problem as i say you know 17 games without goals you can't say that any of the um you, you can't say that any of the strikers had a good season Jelovic was a bit of a talisman because we had a better record with him in the side. But he disappointed too on many occasions. It would be the the midfield that I would point to as where players didn't perform. And if you wanted to point to the biggest disappointments, then it would be Ben Arthur on loan, but the existing players, Huddleston, Livermore, and then McGregor in goal. Um, Other positives, other positives... Uh, you're struggling a little bit. I've mentioned most of them, but I have to mention the manager's son, um, Alex Bruce, who uh, I would guess he played 20, 25 games, something like that. He's pretty tough being the manager's son, I think. And when he came to Hull, I would think like other places where he's played with his dad, he took a lot of stick. But he was magnificent again. And in terms of his quality and commitment, you know, he's really won the crowd over and remains very popular club even though he was left out of the side for the last few games and so if you were talking about successes uh, young player of the year definitely Robertson but you know strong mentions and positive mentions for Bruce Dawson Brady Quinn Myler the uh, army when he was fit and Harper
1: yeah you mentioned the, the players that might be on their way out are there specific positions that you think you'll be able to, to fill this summer
2: yeah, I mean, that's, I guess it's it's all about money in terms of we'll be wanting to buy strikers. will be on their way. So Hernandez uh, and Doi, um, and indeed Sagbel as well, um, you know, they will be on their way. Whoever missed there, um, there's four of them. And possibly uh, Jelovic as well. So it could be that we'll have four, Strikers leaving the KC Stadium. Now, we hope that following his successful loan spell at Derby, that Tom Ince will play a big part in the Championship up front. And perhaps Sonia Luco, who looks out of his depth on occasions in the Premier League, perhaps he will find the opportunity to gain some confidence in the Championship and play in a more forward role. But I would expect Steve Bruce to be buying two strikers and getting another one on loan. If you want names, I can't give you many at the moment. We have a couple of youngsters in the the squad who might come through, but it sounds a bit ambitious, but if uh, Jay Rodriguez was recovering from injury down at Southampton, uh, I'd love to get him on loan for a few months, but that may not happen. I mean, the big boost for next season, of course, will be the return of Robert Snodgrass from injury because I think he could make a huge difference. The sort of players who there's a question mark over for will they stay rather than are they wanted. Huddleston, because of his form. Livermore, because of his form and the recent uh, drug-taking scandal. Davis, because he hasn't played and seems out of favour and has a sort of track record of moving on. And McGregor, because will he play in the championship? And, you know, he has lost form very badly. So, there are several players who we sort of expect to leave. So, there will be quite a turnaround. So, it may well be we will be left with many of the players, if they'll stay, many of the players who actually got us up the first time or the most recent time from the championship. Uh, so, I wouldn't see a huge turnaround in terms of defenders. It may be that bids will come in for James Chester. Um, Armin el Mohamedi and Robbie Brady but we would like to keep them I think but uh, you know inevitably whatever our fate post relegation you know there will be something of a, a turnaround over the next few months and I think the key to it is is whether or not Bruce can keep the nucleus of a tight and dedicated side whilst at the same time adding a little bit of teeth to our forward play and a little bit of youth as well and of course maintaining some depth in the squad.
1: Alright, and and we we briefly touched on it before, but I'm assuming that your your target for next season is you know promotion or nothing?
2: Yeah, I mean I suppose you know on the last occasion we were relegated in oh nine ten and it took us two seasons to get up. I don't know how it it is statistically, but my gut feel is that first season, second season, at a pinch third season, you know, they are our best opportunities to get back. If we don't bounce back in the first two or three years, I think as years tick on, it becomes progressively tougher and you have to find something very special in order to get back up again. So we do need to do an orange. I mean, having said that, I mean, you know, you look at a Bournemouth this year who have come from nowhere. So there is always that chance. But, you know, if if you're asking me to be totally honest about it, I do think, you know, the next two or three years are vital. Because if we didn't come back in the next two or three years, I still think we'd get back, but it might be another five or ten before we got back. So the target must be Uh, promotion and to go up with a slightly more enterprising side and prepare our academy our youth system our off the pitch situation get that sorted out and be ready for establishing ourselves in the Premier League rather than survival in the Premier League and I think there's a subtle difference there Mm. you know ironically last season when we stayed up. It was based on work rate and effort and we only just stayed up last year but we didn't really have the players that were good enough to establish ourselves. This year I think we've missed a huge opportunity. It really has been a big opportunity because we we had players that were good enough to establish us in mid-table and yet we've gone down. We were a much better side this year than last year and we've gone down and that's where the questions will be asked over the next few weeks and questions will be asked about the team collectively individual players and Steve Bruce as manager so we're going to be back soon or it could be a long time yeah
1: well we are now out of time but uh, as we've discussed previously uh, we are planning on having you and the the Burnley guys back on next season to kind of give us an update of what's going on with your clubs so uh, just because you're gone from the league doesn't mean you're gone from our hearts or indeed our podcast. Um, so we'd like to thank you for for joining us today and throughout the whole season, and we can't wait to work with you again next year.
2: Thank you very much. Indeed, it's been absolutely tremendous.
1: Up next, we have Jay joining us from the Eaglesbeak.com, where he's the head editor, and you can reach them on Twitter at the Jay, what do you make of your season?
3: Yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting season, I have to say. It didn't start too well. We started without a manager after Tony Pulis walked out on us um, two days before the Arsenal uh, Arsenal away, uh, which wasn't great planning. I mean, we had a good pre-season. We we went to the States and we had a few games back in the UK, and everything after finishing eleventh last year, everything was going well. And uh, and then the, you know the massive news uh, happened on the Thursday before the Arsenal game. Um, and everything turns to pandemonium and everyone starts thinking what's going to happen, who are we going to get in, what, you know, is is Pugh's going to come back. Um, uh, yeah, it was a bit messy. Um, typical Palace fashion, you know, heading into a new season with all the hopes and dreams that you would have for a new season, you know, off the back of a great season last, last time around with, you know, bringing Pulis in and, and, and seeing what he could do for us. And, and, and then that happens. A bit of a kick, in the, a kick in the gut in a way. Particularly as a lot of Palace fans were looking positively to another season, and it, and it was more than that. It was it was more the fact that Palace fans were actually thinking, actually, we, we you know our aim isn't just to finish seventeenth. Our aim is you know potentially to you know finish mid-table in the top division this season. So yeah, that that was a tough start. Our, our first game away at Arsenal. I mean that week ended poorly. I remember the game well. It was on TV. Uh, we took the lead actually through Hangerland, Um typical hand clan goal from a corner, which was great, but Arsenal um won by injury time goals in both halves. Um I think it's Kishelney at the end of the first half and uh and then um I can't remember who got to I think it's Ramsey um in you know in the 93rd minute or something. So again after having the kick in the teeth from Pulis two days before uh we get a very similar feeling on the Saturday and and and, and then we're having the the fans thinking, oh, it's not going to be our season, and uh, you know, is this a, th- a sign of things to come? But you know, it's, uh, we we followed through August, and um, you know, there's there's no real sign of a, a manager coming in. There was a lot of talk about who who we might go for, but it kind of left the owners in a bit of a dilemma as to what to do. Uh, we followed the Arsenal game up with a, a defeat at home to West Ham, um, so two two defeats on a spin start of the season to London clubs. Yeah, Palace fans are thinking, <laughs> carried on thinking, you. know, yeah, this is this is kind of where the dream dream ends, where the bubble bursts, kind of thing. But uh, we we had a good trip away to Warsaw in the League Cup, and then we um, we welcomed Neil Warnock to the club, back to the club. Um, I think on try not to look back um, too far is that uh, it was it was clearly a stopgap. I think it was um, something that that the the, you know, the owners knew Warnock, um, he knew the club, he had unfinished business because he left the club. Um, back in a time where we were in a lot of financial difficulties, and he was the highest wage on, on, on the wage bill at the time, and, and he went, he left to go to QPR and we got compensation from it. So that kind of, um, you know, sealed his uh, his first term as boss. But he returned. I know from a uh, from a source at the club that he was, you know, he, he had been in contact with the club, not just for this job, but he'd been in contact with the club, you know. Um, before that, you, you know, he fondly remembers his time, and um, I think at the time it was probably a decent fit. Um, a lot of Palace fans weren't particularly happy with it because he's deemed as a a dinosaur manager, but then you know a lot of fans said the same for Pulis when he came in last season. So a lot of fans gave him a chance. You know, he's uh, you know he liked he, he liked Palace and he did alright for us in his first stint, and he got he got off to a decent start. It was a real late draw. We managed to get up at Newcastle. Um, and then we followed that through to September, and we got a few decent results. September to kind of keep uh, keep our points tally ticking over. Uh, I think we got a win away at Everton, which was a massive win. Um, and then we we I think we got a win at, uh, at home to Leicester. Uh, but after that, results kind of started going against us a little bit. Um, you know, we lost a hole. Um, lost to Chelsea, which you know is no mean feat. But I think one of the big ones was losing at home to Sunderland. Um, you know, we, we we lost a few games there, which kind of started losing. Losing ground on, uh, you know, teams above us, we were in the bottom three. Um, But that loss at home to Sunderland was uh, one of the low points of the season, I think. Really, Um, you know, in terms of uh, where we were going, where we were hoping to head, Um, and it kind of followed followed a similar pattern. And out of the blue, we had a win at home against Liverpool um, in in the league, a three one result, which kind of I think it kept uh, kept Warnock in a job for you know for a few more games. You know, a position he was in lost a few games. like Len mentioned, lost the Sunderland game, but winning against Liverpool, it was it was a good win. I mean, we went one nil behind, um, and we fought back well, and 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 we deserved the three one result. Um, we hadn't been playing well up to that game, um, but it was, I'd say it's probably a freak result the way that the form was going. But uh, we followed up with a few results, but then we had another bad home defeat at home to Aston Villa, uh, which I think kind of signaled the end of Warnock. He did he, he did stay around for a few more games, but. Uh, I think the big defeat after that was losing to home to Southampton which again Southampton side yeah you know, they're a good side it's no it's no disgrace to lose to Southampton um you know in the form that they're in at a time leading up to Christmas but um I think the time was right for the board to make a decision when they did I think if they'd have held on any longer uh it would have been detrimental to our position in the Premier League um and I think the, the owners were one of the first ones to actually you know, make the decision to get rid of uh, the manager so it happened we got rid of Warnock we had a couple of games where um, uh, Keith Millen stepped in our our perennial um, caretaker manager um, and got us a few good points actually Uh, a couple of draws uh, away from home um, and at the same time, it was muted that uh, Alan Pardew was uh, being um, spoken to for the job. Uh, obviously, would have meant um, us paying compensation to Newcastle, but it's something Palace don't do. We don't go out and get managers. We we generally uh, are in the past or recent past or appointed managers that are uh, that are out of a job um uh, like Pulis and uh, Holloway before that and and and, and Freedman was promoted from within the club um but going out and 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 getting Pardew from a position at a club where he wasn't particularly enjoying it I think he, he confessed to that himself he wasn't being treated um that well um and I think his tenure at the club was becoming getting to a point where you know for everybody concerned he you know he he perhaps was looking to move on um, if the right job came along and I think you know Palace was the right job for him or is the right job for him because you know the fans adore him he is a bit of a cult hero at Palace um he didn't have a long career playing career at Palace but he you know he he did play for us and he he scored a vital goal for us which is um you know goes down our history so uh, bringing in Patrice as manager was um, was an excellent appointment uh, looking back it's you know an even better appointment and excellent i think but going out and paying money um for a manager compensation I think it was about three and a half million I think that was our signing of the season uh, because from that moment on we we started to play football um, I'm not saying we didn't play football under Warnock but it was different um, from the first game you know we, we played in the-
0: there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care FA but I
3: think our first win was uh, sorry, Kev, but it was against Tottenham at home for Pardew, Uh which was a fantastic result. I mean, we even in that game we, we saw a difference in the team. You know, we were our possession stats were increasing um, straight away. We were playing football across the back line. The players looked more confident with the ball. Yeah, the difference think, in that month because it was just one month apart that we played you it was very notable. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I I thought we were unlucky at your place actually to to draw nil nil. I think we ha- we did enough in that game to get the result. Um, and I think I don't know if if well, in hindsight, I think if if uh, Warnock had got a result at at. Uh, to White Hart Lane, he may have uh, he may have held on a few games longer, which mm. again may have been detrimental to the rest of our season. But you know that that Tottenham win at home, uh, we followed that up with a with a win at Burnley, which was you know we were two 0 down at Burnley, uh, and Pardew you know earned earned his Spurs there by making tactical changes in that game, uh, and we we came back and we won it three two. I mean the, the changes in that game were you know were absolutely brilliant. Uh, we followed up with a, a cup win away at southampton a 3-2 win which was i was there crazy game some great football um but our home form was still suffering we we uh, we lost to everton at home um and then we lost to liverpool in the cup we lost to arsenal at home yeah you know, we were still struggling at home but um away from home we were we were unbeatable um i think we after tottenham we we went to burnley and won we uh we went to west ham and won later on in february um and we were, you know, we were consistently picking up points, and we were we're picking up good points as well at different places. I mean, uh, we're beating teams perhaps we should be beating, like QPR. We beat at home, and then we went away and beat Stoke. I mean, you know, even looking back the March, you know, beating Stoke. I mean, they're they finished eighth in the table. That, I mean, that was a that was a great result in itself. Uh, we followed it up with a two-one win at home to City, and we beat Sunderland uh, away four-one after that. So you know some incredible incredible run of results and a, and but for me it's it was it was a change in the way it, the way we were playing football you know we were passing the ball between our central defenders which is something that we didn't even do with Pulis in charge uh, we certainly didn't do it at warnock um it's just the confidence um was spread across the whole team you know we played with two wingers i mean there's not a lot of teams that actually play with two out and out wingers in the premier league at the moment but we've got two of the two of the, arguably the most exciting wingers in in the Premier League in Zaha and blasi on, on their day, um, and and Kev, you probably remember what they did at, at you know at your place in the 0-0 draw. I mean, we I think both Zahar and blasi were taking it in turns to to rip the fullbacks to shreds, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and you know it's, it wasn't just Tottenham. I mean, they've done it consistently in this second half of the season and, and looked absolutely incredible. There are points in the season where we we kind of thought we would struggle. Yednak being off in the African, uh, sorry, the uh, the Asian Cup, he was out there in Australia and they got to the final, and eventually won it. So he was he was missing for a fair amount of time. But he he's been our talisman at the club for quite a while. He's been the player that has has run the midfield, and we thought that period of time at the start of the year would be crucial because you know missing him and what we doing at that time, but. Um, Macarthur and Ledley did a fantastic job. We we didn't actually miss him, uh, and a similar similar to when he had a four game ban for an elbow in the West Ham game, uh, we missed him for four games, and again um, we didn't miss him, and he struggled to get back into the side. He struggled to find some form off the back of that. Um, but yeah, for April we managed to you know get to a point. Where we beat Sunderland away, and we were effectively safe uh, by that point. And and it showed in our next two games at home. We lost at home to West Brom and at home to Hull. Um, and not so much lacklustre, but I think it got to a point where, you know, it's been a long, hard season and we've done we've done the hard work already. I mean, looking at our last four games at the start of the season in the fixture list, we were thinking, you know, we've got to play Chelsea, United, Liverpool and then Swansea in our last four. Thinking we need points before we get to that point if we're going to have any any chance of staying up. But, you know... Tell the future, and no way will we have predicted I mean we, we had a four game four, run, four, well, four, four losses in a row there you know we lost narrowly at Chelsea when they won the title against us. we gave them, you know we were unlucky in that game, and we we're unlucky again against united at home um also i mean it's I'm, saying, I'm not saying we're always unlucky, but I think we play well in both of the games. We deserve to lose against West Brom we deserve deserve to lose against Hull, but our home form has been you know atrocious all season. Um, and it's just a thought that you know, if our home form had been any any better than it was, um, who knows where we could have finished. You know, but travelled to Liverpool last weekend and we beat them three one. Sport Gerrard's uh, uh, leaving party or his his last game at home, and then yesterday was just a you know it was just a celebration of the season really. And to top to top it off, beating Swansea, who is a bit of a bogey team for us, um, just just summed up the whole season really. Um, it was a hard work hard worked win. Shamat scored. He works hard himself. Um, it just it just topped it off for me. It was a fantastic atmosphere, um, and um, you know we enjoyed the celebrations after the game with the uh, with, with mm-hmm. the players doing their bit. And Pardew done a great speech. You know he did a couple of minute turn, um, and um, we can all you know look forward to summer. And it, it's kind of sad that it's you know it's all over because. It, <laughs> But
1: on the other hand, you know, we only have seventy-some days, so we're back at it again.
3: Exactly. Well, and this is a conversation I just said, you know, it's only a couple of months, isn't it, before the season starts again. So, you know, the players haven't got that long off. Um, you know, we can, we can enjoy the summer. We can enjoy what's happened this season. You know, once again, um, we're, we're looking ahead to our third successive uh, Premier League campaign, which um, obviously since the Premier League started, that's the first time we've actually done that. Uh, which is incredible to think about, really. I mean, we have done it before when you know before the Premier League started. There was football before the Premier League started, by the way. Um, <laughs> we 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 did have consecutive seasons in the top division, but this is just something something else. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the, the caliber of players in the Premier League these days is, is second to none, uh, and playing these teams week in week out, it's just a league you want to be in, um, and you know, strive to achieve the best you can. And, and you know, we're a top ten club. I you know, I I I glow with pride when I when I come out and say that. You know, we yeah. finished tenth in the Premier League. A difference I was um saying before the pod that, you know, we could have the difference yesterday could have been us finishing thirteenth if we'd have lost to Swansea. Um but as we beat them we finished tenth and the difference in those positions is four million. Now four million might not sound a lot to Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh top of the table, Man City. But to a club like Palace and if 4 million um, is a lot of money um, and the players were out there yesterday um, trying to achieve that higher position in the Premier League because, you know, it benefits the club as a whole. I think 4 million for a season, I mean, that, that allows us to spend a bit more on, on, on you know, a bit more on players' wages next season. So, um, so all in all, it, it's been a fantastic season for us. I, I, you know, it's been, it's been great to be a part of, it's been great to watch um, and, very proud of what we've achieved this year
1: yeah you kind of addressed several of the questions I was going to ask about how <laughs> pleased you are with your manager and clearly you are very proud of him uh, you talked about some of the players that impressed you uh, if you had to just
3: name two who would you say was your player and young player of the year player of the year is a tough one um, I, I'm i a centre-back by trade myself when I used to play football I, I, I played centre-back and I can't see beyond Scott Dan. He's had a tremendous season um, for Palace. He's he's a calming influence. He has been a calming influence across the bat line. He's, he's very rarely put a foot wrong. I could probably name t- two two errors he's made this season. He's probably made more, but um, you know he, he's, he's deservedly the club player of the year because um, he's organised the back line. He's been that focal point um, between you know um, organising between the midfield and the back line. He, he's been fantastic. Now, the other notable mention for me would be Jason Punchen, who, um who is probably a close run thing for player of the year because since Pardew's come in, um, his game has gone up a, a, a massive notch. It really has. He's... He he he's been our ball player in you know he's, he's been brought in from out wide he, he 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 runs the midfield from a from a ball playing perspective you know he looks for the pass he looks for the quick pass he he, he keeps the ball to his you know stuck to his feet literally uh, and obviously he can take a mean free kick um, but only against the top sides in 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 the country so. Um, uh, namely United City and uh, and Liverpool so close run thing because I think he's improved an awful lot since Pardew's come in um, but I think for me it has to be Scott Dan young player of the year we haven't really had many youngsters come through the ranks um, the one um, that I would say is um, very highly rated at Palace and I think he's on to big things is Sully Kaikai he came on against Newcastle in the League Cup he scored in that game against Newcastle which Newcastle unfortunately went on to win um, he's spent a, quite a, a bit of time away on loan to Cambridge United and it says a lot that he wins Cambridge United's Young Player of the Year and he also wins Palace's Young Player of the Year so uh, a bright future for him and it's probably a name worth uh, worth uh, looking out for Right and from there what holes do you think you'll need to plug in the summer transfer window? It's a difficult one I, before yesterday I, I'd have said that I think we probably need to look at another centre back um, before the Liverpool game, um, I, I've been campaigning for uh, Martin Kelly to get a stint at centre-back and I spoke to a few Liverpool guys who, who kind of agree in that you know, he had a terrible knee injury when he played fullback back uh, for Liverpool and his mobility's kind of suffered because of that and he would be better suited to playing centre-back and he, he had an outstanding game at centre-back against Liverpool. Um, so. And also, I would say Hangeland yesterday was immense for us in in what looks like it might be his last game for the club, um, which would be unfortunate if it's true. If, he, if he's happy to bide his time, you know, as a squad player, then I'd gladly have him at the club and and maybe you know not seek that need to replace, uh, you know, to bring in a new centre back. Elsewhere, I think striker um, is is probably our, you know, a natural striker that can. Last the campaign, uh, be a focal point for the team, uh, and by that I mean, you know, we we had on loan um, young Arsenal, uh, young Arsenal striker who didn't really, um, didn't didn't really set set the world alight for us. Really, I mean, I think one game he played well in was Southampton in the cup, but he had an injury. It was kind of in and out. Didn't really get much time. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention his name, Um I don't know whether he's going to last at Arsenal or not, but hopefully he doesn't come back for another loan stint because I don't think many Palace fans are impressed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think striking wise, I think we I personally I like to just go out and get Charlie Austin. Yeah, I've seen and a up. lot of those rumors. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking there might be
1: something to that?
3: Hopefully, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping. I've heard some rumors that Dwight Gale might be uh, might be offloaded in the summer, so I think that would be a, a perfect example of us um, offering him to QPR in a you know, in a in a in a deal to get Charlie Austin from them. I you know, I think Charlie Austin would you know, if if, if a club in and around London would go for him, then I think, you know, he is from uh, the south of the country. I think he he's come through um you know non league football hunger for Paul Town and, and worked his way through through that way. So Rather than him perhaps going to Newcastle, whether Newcastle's um, you know are serious about getting him, but I, I personally I'd rather sc- go all out and uh, and and bring him in because um, I, I I have a feeling that Dwight Gayle's days are numbered at Palace, unfortunately, um, because he's better as a as as two striker one of two strikers up front. Not many clubs play two strikers up front these days. It normally the lone striker with a man behind. So. Uh, I'm confident Glenn Murray will probably stick around. Shamak, hopefully, although there are rumours he might be uh, off to Bordeaux in the summer, um, but but we'll, but we'll see. But I think you know I, I think we do need some cover at defence if Hangeland doesn't stick around, and we arguably need some cover, or well, I think we need a starting striker, somebody like a uh, you know like a marquee signing like Charlie Austin because he proved he can do it in the Premier League this season. So uh, I think it's uh, a player that we should go out and get.
1: All right, and with that, we are out of time, but we just want to thank you again for for joining us today and throughout the whole season, and we can't wait
3: for next year. No problem. It's a pleasure, Kev. Thank you.
4: This is Seifu, editor of the EPL Roundtable. For the last review, we'll have Kevin, our host and resident Spurs supporter, discussing the past season. So, Kevin, what did you make of Tottenham's first season under Pochettino?
1: I think, (laughs) to really answer that question honestly, I have to go back to what I said at the beginning of the season, which was eighth place in a decent cup run. Because in the middle of the season there, we got really excited. We thought top four was a possibility. I got carried away. I still think DeBelli should have played when we were near there. But, like I said, you can get kind of distracted by how everything ended up going. I think to really reflect on his expectations, going back to that first podcast with top eight in a cup run, is how we knew in a vacuum he should be treated and judged. And based on that merit alone, he's done excellently. Getting us fifth place, which is higher than we were last season, um, it is a great boon for us, especially considering how many young players came through this year. It really can't be overstated, and we'll talk about this later with, with young player of the season and how many names we have to pick from. Um, having Harry Kane come through, Bentaleb develop more, Ryan Mason for all of his <laughs> sins at times, Uh, Eric Dyer coming over from Portugal and playing excellently. Danny Rose finally developing. We're really founding ourselves upon youth, which is much what Pochettino did at Southampton and shouldn't really be surprising to any people that that followed him while he was there. Yeah, Yeah, it it was disappointing at times as well. Obviously, we kind of floundered until we knew Harry Kane was our striker. Um, A lot of times we've complained about Europa League throughout the season, but if it hadn't been for Europa League, we wouldn't have seen Harry Kane scoring just tons of goals. Uh, while Adebayo and Soldado amounted to very little in the Premier League, which made that switch obvious. So uh, despite what I've said on and off throughout the year, I I do think it's good that we're back in Europa League. And I'm not just saying that because we're officially in it now. Um, But I think especially with Pritchard and Ali coming back, uh, we have Tom Carroll coming back. Apparently he's going on tour with us three days after leaving Swansea, so it seems he's going to be sticking at least for a little bit. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if we play those guys, Veljkovic and Onoma and Harry Winks and all those guys and see if we can kind of roll out the youth in some of those Europa League games to really see what we have in those talented youngsters. Uh, it was disappointing losing the cup final. I was just watching a, a goal uh, recap of the season and Ericsson's free kick that went off the crossbar in the Capital One Cup final I'd forgotten about, probably purged far from my memory for the for sake of depression. Um but that was a match where you know we lost to goals. We didn't lose to performance. We played very well and, and just kind of didn't end up coming out on top, which was disappointing, but not entirely unexpected. I mean, Pochettino is a very young manager going up Mourinho, who ended up you know bringing his side the title. So not not much shame in that. Just you know a little disappointment because they're crosstown rivals and, and all that. But that wasn't that bad. I still think that the the biggest thing that we need to find out from Pochettino is whether he's willing to sacrifice his kind of ethos for results. Because this year he wasn't. When it came down to those, those moments right after we beat Arsenal and we were within five points of top four, you know, it started launching those questions of, are we going to push on from strength? Are we going to really capitalize on this to try to go for top four? We didn't get any players in, in January other than Della Ali, who immediately went back on loan. So he, he wasn't supported in January. Whether or not that was a him decision or a Levy decision, we we still don't know exactly how that dynamic is working. But we didn't have the players that came in, so we needed to use the players that we had if we were going to make that kind of push. And for, you know, I, I know there were issues with him off the pitch, but if we had played Dembele from that Arsenal match through the end of the season, I don't know if we finished fourth, but we finished with more points than we did. Might not have even finished higher in the table because that gap between us and Liverpool, or sorry, between us and Liverpool and the top four is was pretty sizable. Um, But there was a moment where he had to decide between is he going to instill his uh, system, his style of management, onto the team, which is all about hard work and training and effort, or was he going to kind of push for results? And this year, and I think part of this is that he had the luxury to do so was building a foundation for his Tottenham for the future. That can't happen many more times without him being under pressure. Um, so I, 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 I'm not confident saying that it was, quote-unquote, the right choice, because you never know how many times you're going to be around there. But historically, we tend to have that kind of squad. We're top-six financial club. We're going to finish around the top six. So assuming that we're around that spot, then I think it is good that we're building on youth. Uh, But at some point, we will need to bring in established players or use the established players we have over them to get results. And that'll be the big test for him next season is how he handles that kind of situation, um, knowing that he's already kind of set up this foundation for us to build upon. But all in all, that kind of sounded negative. But eighth in a cup run, we did it,
4: and, and there's not much to complain about. So obviously there were a lot of controversial decisions that he made as a manager this year, Coming into the next season, are you confident in the ethos that he is setting?
1: Yeah, I think it's really shown. I, I just mentioned all the all the young players that have come through. They couldn't have come through if he hadn't been so harsh on the older players. If Yunus Kabul hadn't hosted a veterans coup, then Eric Dyer doesn't get his start. And we don't find out that he's better than Fazio, who also got a start because Kabul went out. Um We've also found out through Kyle Walker's injuries that Eric Dyer is probably our best right-back, as well as our best right center-back, which is an issue we'll have to address probably in the transfer window. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, Would you rather see Dyer as a center-back or as a right-back coming into the future? I think it's easier to bring in a right-back. We're being linked with Trippier today. If Newcastle had gone down, I would have really liked to bring in Jan Mott. Um, but I think Eric Dyer is going to be really good on the right center-back side. Whether he's partnered with Jan, where both of them tend to like to get forward, but Jan hasn't been able to do it much. If we got more of a stable left back or left center back, sorry, that would allow for him to kind of travel more, I think he could be very dangerous in those kinds of situations. Um, I know it's a small sample, but what Kurt Zuma has done thus far for Chelsea, where he just kind of has that kind of wandering spirit where next to John Terry, hate him though I do. Uh, it is an excellent partnership and a good idea. And it's what the idea was with Fazio and Jan, was that you know the bail year, Jan was all over the pitch, delivering final balls and charging into the final third, and we all panicked, but we knew that we were stable enough at the back uh, to be able to deal with it when we had uh, Dawson and King for those years. So uh, I, I think it's, it's good that we're building this youth, youth core, but like I said, it's important that when it comes time to bring
4: in big players that we're able to adapt to that. Right. So, uh, so this season, um, who would you pick as your player of the year and your young player of the year? <laughs> well, it's really hard to look past Kane, which is a problem
1: because he qualifies for both. But um, I'm going to go with him for player of the year, and it's down to him and Hugo. I think Erickson had a tremendous first half of the season and then not through his own fault because a lot of players kind of tailed off and so weren't making the runs that Erickson requires to kind of keep up his levels of production. But Hugo Lloris is tremendous. We already knew that coming in. But Harry Kane just blossoming through the setup. We didn't know. We've talked to Jim from Leicester because he was on loan there and he had no idea this was going to happen. Um And many of the Tottenham people didn't know it was going to happen. I remember in November when he got his first start, and I was saying that I thought he could be the next Defoe, Uh, not in that he would have that kind of illustrious a career even, but that this later stage Defoe where he would always be at the club, especially as a Tottenham lad, but that he would just contribute pop-up goals whenever our main strikers were out, which is what happened with Soldado and Ade. Um, And so even my expectations weren't that high. And to go on and score 31 goals in all comps, Is just absolutely outrageous. It's the same amount that Bale had if you count Bale's international goals and not Kane's goal that he scored on his debut. Finished with 21 Premier League goals again, same as Bale. Um, Hate to continue to make that comparison, but that was really our last kind of talisman that we had at the club. And it seems that we've grown one, which is just, uh, you know, makes it even better that he came through the ranks. Um, For young player of the year, I mentioned earlier how difficult this is going to be. I think Rose, Dyer, and Bentaleb all deserve this like in spades, but can only pick one. Eric Dyer is great, two positions, didn't get the full season in either one of them. I think next season will be really important to see him play as that right center back for us and establish himself, which is crazy as a 21-year-old center back going into only a second year in the league um Danny Rose has improved I think bringing in Ben Davies really pushed him on I know it's kind of a cliche that you bring in somebody to push some someone for a position but uh... the timing is quite suspect that that that's pretty clearly what happened uh... offers in all aspects of the game I've mentioned before that he's crossing the ball earlier on the pitch um... which is making them all the more accurate which has been an incredible improvement and his defensive skills have improved as well his ability to cut off balls to the wing has also rampantly improved. So very much want to give Danny Rose the, the, the praise he deserves, considering how harsh I've been on him on the past. But Nabil Bentaleb has very quietly gone from kind of youngster to, to going to the World Cup. He played for Algeria there. He went to AFCON with Algeria. And the second he came back from AFCON, he was established. Up until then, it was all talent and potential. And how good can he be? But as soon as he came back from AFCON, I don't know if it was just being surrounded by players that are competing on the international level, if if that really spurred him on. But he came back and has really kind of become a leader in the clubhouse. We already know that his training is ridiculous. You'll hear it from Potts. you even hear it from Sherwood. Even Sherwood doesn't take (laughs) uh, credit for, for Bentaleb working as hard as he does. And Sherwood loves taking credit for everything any former Tottenham player has done. Um, but now we're hearing stories about Lamela that we were thinking about shopping Lamela. Now he's coming out and saying that he's been hanging out with Benteleb, and now reports are coming out that he's trying much harder in training. And the fact that that's just kind of exuding from him already. And, and you remove that from the player himself on the pitch, who's become so much more confident and and assured on the ball. Pulling out random skills while surrounded by people, still winning the ball in all areas of the pitch. I think... Next year when we bring in somebody better than Mason to pair with Ben Taleb, assuming we do, um, we'll really see how good Ben Taleb is because I think Ben Taleb right now is doing the job of two people at 80% and I can't wait to see what he's going to do when he's at 100% and he's only going to get better, which is the scary thing. I think passing is still his weakness. Sometimes he doesn't really see the pass before he makes it. Um, leaving a, a, some balls short, sometimes kind of being caught in two minds between two different passing options and kind of going straight up the middle to the defender. But like I said, his tackling, his positioning, his ball skills have all very much improved. His mentality has obviously matured way, way beyond his years, and, and I can't wait to see what he develops into in the future. Future captain? <laughs> I, I I, honestly think so. I, I, I don't like the idea of strikers as captains. It'll be hard with Harry Kane, depending on how long he sticks around. Just the fact that he grew up, he's, you know, as a Tottenham fan, he's English. Like, we love Bentaleb. He's homegrown, but he, he's Algerian. So, you know, that's not an actual issue for me. But I just think club-wise, I think it will be more marketable to to make Kane captain in the future. But for me, I think is is really starting to show that kind of caliber, uh, both on the pitch and mentally, and just kind of the presence he commands. Um, I think one day he, he'll, be, he'll be a captain for either us or Algeria, for sure. Uh,
4: you mentioned earlier Trippier being linked with the club. Um, Kevin Vimmer has also been linked. Uh, what are your biggest needs coming into the transfer window? Well, yeah, Kevin
1: Vimmer did us a great favor by telling us he's coming. Um, so he, he kind of uh, uh, got that out pretty quickly before the season even ended. It was on the last day of Cologne's season. Uh, in the Bundesliga. So he is definitely coming. Trippier is interesting. Uh, Jamie from No name, Never Net, uh was tweeting with uh, online, and he was saying that there might actually be a buyout, which is why his, his price of about $2.5 is so low. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if we do that. Like I said, I think bringing in a right back is really important for us. Another name that I didn't mention earlier, Micah Richards, um, I believe is on a free from City, having just returned from loan in Fiorentina. I think that will be really interesting. We'd be adding him and Kyle Walker, who were supposed to be the future of right back, the new athletic breed of right back for England, neither of whom have panned out as much as one would like. But maybe uh, one plus one will equal one in this situation where uh, while one is down, the other one will be able to perform to, to his ability. Um, like I said, I would have loved Daryl Yanmont, but I'm assuming he'll stay at, at Newcastle now that they've stayed up. Uh, but yeah, I think right back is a huge pressing need. I think the most blatant need, assuming Hugo doesn't leave, um, which is a whole <laughs> nother bag. I think Vorm could do, tr- do a trick, but I, we might need to bring in somebody else to, to back him up then. Um, but I think the biggest need is a, a true passing central midfielder. Um, Schneiderlin is the name that keeps being linked with Pochettino. It's going to continue to happen. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he's exactly the kind of player we would want to pair in that central midfield. Um, just his his strength and presence as well and and leadership, which is a thing that our side is kind of lacking as a whole I think he could step in day one and be excellent, already knowing Pochettino's system pairing with Bentaleb, who I think is much more dynamic than Wanyama, who's a great traditional destroyer, but offers less as an overall player I think, than Bentaleb does already uh, even at his young age Uh, so I think central midfielder uh, a passer would be absolutely great Sedge Schneiderlin, Danny Parejo uh... From Valencia I think would be another really good pick. Somebody that can really pass the ball about. A little concerned about his frame if he came to England. He's he's slight of frame and playing in the heart of midfield might be a bit tough. But those are kind of the players I'm looking for. Somebody to just distribute from that midfield role. um, And isn't worried about tracking back because Mason tries and and fails often. So um, having a player that's confident going forwards and backwards I think would be very important for us to bring in. Assuming we lose one of Adebayor or Soldado, need to bring in a striker. Jackson Martinez keeps getting linked. I don't think that's going to happen at all. It's literally the same situation that Soldado came in. High profile, great in a different league, coming into a new system. I I don't think that that's the direction we'd go. Liverpool obviously being linked with Danny Angs. I think it would be really good for us to be looking that direction. I don't think Charlie Austin's a thing. I think he's going to look for playing time. Uh, Jay was talking to us uh, earlier in this series about the possibility of Austin going to Crystal Palace, and I think that sounds like a really good fit. I I think that that would work well for them, both stylistically and level of ability. So yeah, if we didn't get Aang's and we didn't get uh, Jackson Martinez, which I don't expect us to, it means we're in the market for someone. Uh, Emmanuel Emonique sounded like it could happen in January, fell through. Uh, So we'll just kind of have to wait on that. As far as just like an ability set (laughs) that we need, a skill set we need a pacey winger that doesn't mind hugging the touchline because our only pacey option is Townsend and he does it when he's played on the left but that's not where he wants to play he always plays on the right and then he cuts in and then he shoots it and he hits some poor old guy that's sitting in like rose ed and then we have to apologize to that guy sorry mark all that so um... we need to bring in a pacey winger that's that's willing to to stick to the touchline And last summer we were linked um... with sadio mane who at the time was like who's that we shouldn't bother going there and (laughs) I think we kind of missed the trick there. I think that would have been about the right right uh, player level for us. We're being linked with Konoplyanka. Allegedly, we've stopped negotiations with them uh, because Pacchettino doesn't want him, which would be a huge sign of maturity from Daniel Levy. Um, being linked with Lovetsy. French report saying that that's not as much of a goer as English media are claiming. And Florian Thauvin, which I think may actually happen, um, just because it looks like that his club need the money. Um, but anyway, one of those players, I, I think... Uh, or, or a player of that ilk would be needed to to really stretch defenses because it's something that we don't offer or really have an answer for.
4: You mentioned that this season your goal was eighth and a cup run, which obviously you hit that pretty well. Uh, next season, what are your goals looking like?
1: Next season, it's hard to tell. I, I think that... We need to wait one more year. I think we need to get in Pochettino's players this summer and then see how they grow and see how we do. I think 2016 is the Champions League or bust year for for Pochettino. I think next year, you know, this year we said eighth in a cup run. I think we're going to bump that up a bit. Um, I will accept fifth or sixth next year as long as we continue to develop and continue to show signs of growth. I think the most important thing is trajectory that it's not just spots in the table or um, points in the table. It's about the, the product of Tottenham Hotspur and how we grow. We have so many young players. We need to make sure that they continue to develop at a similar pace, especially if we're going to compensate for all of the stadium years when we're down financially. Um, in Europe, we should we should be doing better in, in my eyes. Um Pochettino kind of got stuck in what do I focus on, League Capital One Cup or Europa League. Uh, hopefully just the calendar is kinder to us. I, I don't think he technically made a bad decision. I, I just think he was stuck with a whole bunch of wrong ones and then just had to kind of pick from the bunch. Um, so next year, top six, uh, probably win a cup, uh, which is obviously a hard thing to, to mark and say. You have to go win one because a lot of it's Kind of luck of the draw literally on on who you have to play to get there but for next season i'm going to say top six win a cup and then everybody will be happy and then 2016 17 is the year that he has to get champions league or or it might uh be time to move on unfortunately
4: all right thanks kevin uh so that's the end of season two that's it um gotten some excellent feedback from our listeners throughout the season And I hope uh, continuing into the summer and into the next season, we keep getting feedback from you so that we can improve uh, your listening experience. Uh, We'll be recording the Women's World Cup podcast starting this Sunday, and we'll be releasing that the next day. And uh, for the duration of the tournament, we'll be releasing a new episode every Monday. Uh, So if you're interested in the women's game or you can't go another 73 days before the Premier League starts uh, to get your football fix, uh, give us a listen.
1: Yeah, we've enjoyed talking all things football with all of our fabulous and tremendous guests, and we'd like to thank them for all the time and effort they've given us throughout the year. We've gone from strength to strength, notching another 4 million hits this season, which is absolutely incredible, and and we could not have done it without your downloading and listening and supporting of us throughout the season. Uh, And with that, we are out of time for this year. So thanks again to all of our guests. It's been fun as always, and thank you for listening.